0: The Titans took down the Jaguars, but did they show us enough to consider them contenders again? This is the Titans 10, we're talking that and much more. Let's go. Welcome into the Titans 10 for Wednesday, October 13th. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, a broadcaster and writer for Broadway Sports Media and the 440 Podcast Network. We are here on Wednesday instead of Tuesday this week. Apologies, folks. Yesterday ran into a small technical issue that caused the show to be delayed until today. But we are back and we are back on schedule going forward back to Fridays and Tuesdays. We've got things figured out here on the technical side. We've got a big show today, not nearly as big as last Thursday. Last Thursday's Titans 10 turned into more of a Titans 16 just because of the bulk of news we had to cover, especially with injuries. Today we've got some really interesting topics, but we're going to keep it to a true Titans 10 today. We're going to, as always, on Tuesdays, in this case Wednesdays, work on the weekly recap of last week's Week 5 game against the Jaguars, then we'll do some post-game pressers, and then a couple quick hits to round things out. Now, before we move on to the first segment, I do want to point out, for those of you that are listening to this show, on the Football and Other F-Words podcast feed, the Titans 10 now has its own podcast feed on all major digital platforms, so... If you're listening on the F-Words feed, in the description of this podcast, stop what you're doing now. Go to the description, click on the link there that will take you to a link tree that will allow you to go and subscribe to the Titans 10 feed wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and do that for me. Subscribe and listen on that feed instead of this feed. It won't be on here forever. This is just as we're getting launched. So go subscribe there. Thank you in advance for doing that. All right, now that you got that business out of the way, let's get into the weekly recap of Week 5. Well, the Titans handled a bad Jacksonville Jaguars team on Sunday pretty comfortably, winning 37-19. A number of good things came from this game, but in context and looking ahead for this Titans team, it's not all hunky-dory for the Titans after one beatdown against a bad division opponent. I have to remind you, I've been beating this drum for a couple of episodes now, The upcoming stretch is upon us for the Titans, the the season-defining stretch of games where they play the Bills on Monday Night Football this week, then they host the Chiefs, then they go to Indianapolis to play the Colts, and they travel to L.A. to play the Rams on Sunday Night Football. Those four games, the next month, is going to define this Titans season, and this is going to be the most difficult part of the season for the Titans, so beating one bad team can give you some confidence. I think there were some things in this game that, that should give you confidence as a Titans fan, but as I said after the game on the Broadway Sports Media post-game show, which you can listen to live on Twitter and Facebook after every Titans game, by the way, this game, in a nutshell, could be summed up as better, but not nearly good enough. So let's start with the O-line play and break down some stats from this game. There were three more sacks, Against the Jags uh, excuse me three more sacks of Ryan Tannehill by the Jaguars which brings him up to 20 sacks taken on the year so through just five games he is already four sacks away from his total from last season at 20 already this year now the sack blame from this week breaks down like this one was Ryan Tannehill's fault held on to the ball too long didn't move the pocket one was David Questenberry's fault and one was Nate Davis's fault And while we're on the O-line blame game train here, let's see how the seven quarterback pressures allowed were broke down in this game. Taylor Lewan allowed zero, Roger Saffold allowed one, Ben Jones allowed two, Nate Davis allowed two, and David Questenberry allowed two. So the one true bright spot this week on the offensive line was Taylor Lewan, who had his best game in... In probably two years, he he looked himself for the first time in ages this past week, which is really good news for the Titans. You want him to be able to hold that spot down like he has in the past. Now, the line actually overall played better in this game than they had previously this season. But the split between run-blocking grades and pass-blocking grades tells the full story. Lawan was the only lineman with a higher pass-blocking grade than he had run-blocking grade, which were both in the mid to high 80s. Saffold had a 75 run blocking and 50 pass blocking grade. Ben Jones was in the high 80s for run blocking, mid 50s for pass blocking. David Questenberry was in the low 90s for run blocking, but in the high 50s for pass blocking. And Nate Davis was in the high 80s for run blocking, but had a 37 for pass blocking grade, which is just ridiculously bad. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, the stars of the day for the Titans were Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry, 16 total pressures this Titans defense had against the Jaguars, seven of which were Jeffrey Simmons, and five of which were attributed to Harold Landry. So the two of them, doing some quick math, had 12 of the 16 total pressures for the team. Simmons tied with Aaron Donald for most interior defensive lineman pressures in week five, and Jeffrey Simmons is fourth on the year for pressures with 17 in the secondary. The Titans actually had a pretty good game except for two players. David Long and Dane Cruikshank both played their worst ball so far this year with the Titans. Here's how the breakdown of that secondary unit did. Now David Long was credited with the LaVisca Chenault 58 yard play, which was a disaster on the part of many Titans players. So overall his, his stat line is a little bit inflated by that, but he allowed six for six on targets, 108 yards passing Jackrabbit Jenkins had a good game, 1-for-2 on targets, 7 yards and an interception. Dan Cruikshank, who was the other culprit on the day, allowed 4-for-4 for for 60 yards. Kevin Byard was 2-for-4 for for 21 yards, and Chris Jackson was 1-for-2 for for 7 yards. So Jackrabbit Jenkins, Kevin Byard, and Chris Jackson all played really solid games. Titans' first-round draft pick Caleb Farley saw his first action this week. He was on the field for 22 defensive snaps. He was targeted four times and allowed two catches for 13 yards and had one PBU. So overall, in terms of the eye test and his stats, he had an all right debut. I know he's played in week one, but in terms of meaningful snaps, this week was his debut and he had an all right week. He didn't fall flat on his face. He looked capable out there. He certainly looked really raw, but I don't think that that's something that's unexpected from a guy in that spot. Also drafted this year, rookie Elijah Molden was targeted four times on the Jag- in the Jaguars game, and he allowed all four catches, but only had 13 yards allowed with a forced fumble. So he played a really solid game. And then finally, Christian Fulton, who's been the star of the defensive secondary so far this year, he was back to his old self after a hiccup game two weeks ago. He allowed two for four for 30 yards and one PBU. All right, now on to postgame pressers. In this segment, we've got a couple of things to cover from the coaches and coordinators from their press conferences earlier in the week. First of all, A.J. Brown, wide receiver who was out against the Jets two weeks ago, but was back a little bit earlier than expected, honestly, from his hamstring injury this week against the Jaguars. It was suspected that he might have been on a snap count based on how little he was in the game, and that was confirmed by Titans wide receiver coach Rob Moore on Monday, I believe, in his press conference saying that A.J. Brown was on a snap count He said that A.J. shook him off a couple times and stayed in the game, but other than that, was doing pretty good for the most part as far as going in and out of the game like the plan was. He said, quote, he loves football. A lot of times we have to guard him against himself, but he knows it's a process. So I would expect to see A.J. out there a little bit more this weekend as he continues to heal up and the Titans are in a much bigger spot this week against the Buffalo Bills. Next, Titans offensive line coach Keith Carter had some interesting things to say in his press conference. On Taylor LeWan, he said that he really felt like he started to get his confidence back last week and got into the flow of the game, that he started to have fun again. That definitely seemed to be the case watching the game. Lawan did look like himself for the first time in a while. On the topic of Dylan Raiden's rookie offensive tackle, although now maybe offensive guard. You'll see what I mean here in a moment. He said that Dylan is the next man up, but they felt there were some practice reps last week For Corey Levin, that gave him the best chance. So that's why you saw Corey Levin come into the game instead of Dylan Raidens when Roger Saffold went down. Carter says that Raidens will be ready to contribute pretty soon, but hopes that they don't continue to be a triage unit on the offensive line, which has certainly been the case. He also said about Raidens that he gets reps every day, but full speed reps were reduced after camp. So, he's been playing a lot of right guard, even though he was drafted to be a tackle. Levin got the left guard snaps behind Saffold last week, and that's why he went in this game. But, Raidens has been practicing at offensive tackle, too. He doesn't have a single home right now in terms of position on the offensive line, and he needs to correct his, he needs the correct prep for the best chance to be successful. That's where we're going now. That's what Carter had to say to finish up on Raidens. Now, there's been a lot of pushback online. On the way that the team has been handling Raidens in his development so far, many have said that it's a pretty good way to mess up a rookie when you have them playing at multiple positions, especially offensive linemen. Vrabel did on Monday act like the Titans might have to sit Roger Saffold, however, at some point soon because Roger continues to have a problem finishing games. So it seems like Raidens might be in a position, having a lot of practice it seems, at the guard as well as the tackle position to come in and fill that gap for Saffold if he has to sit a game to get right. So that's something to watch. It's something that Paul Kuharski of Outkick360 and paulkuharski.com brought up earlier this week that I thought was a really good point online. Potentially that is something to watch. You might see Raidens, who was drafted as a tackle, have to come in and play guard for the Titans. Now, things on the offensive line got even more interesting on Tuesday when Ty Sambrello, offensive tackle, suddenly retired from the Titans. Now, before I get into that a little bit, here's what head coach Mike Vrabel had to say on the surprise loss of Sambrello. Uh, no, nothing catches me off guard. I think, you know, I mean, you guys you talk to Ty. I think that would be the, the best thing for you guys to do. He informed us that, you know he was going to retire and uh that's what uh that's what he did so you know i want to talk to ty what uh what do you lose with without having ty around like like what what impact does that have with the line now none whatsoever you know we're going to focus on the bills and and their defensive line rotation and um you know that that's where our focus is You know, i mean Ty, ty talked to us last week that's I'm I'm moving on, like I do with a lot of things. Now, I think the loss of Sambrello is being underplayed in a lot of ways. Sambrello was the Titans' greatest source of depth on the line, especially at the tackle position, where, besides Dylan Raiden's, they don't have any options that are all that pleasing in terms of potential to come in if there were to be a loss at a starting position and fill that gap. Losing him is a big blow to this Titans team, I think, despite what Vrabel seems to be saying. And also, yikes, right? Like, Vrabel's dismissiveness about Sam Brelo's sudden departure and the impact it's going to have on this team was kind of surprising to hear. Now, perhaps it won't end up being an issue. Maybe the development of Dylan Raiden's is part of the reason he didn't seem all that concerned about it. But until we see a starter on this line go down and things not completely fall apart at the seams... I think it's definitely a reason for concern that Sambrello is now gone, and at tackle, this team is really thin. And as always, our final segment for this Tuesday on a Wednesday episode of the Titans 10 is the Quick Hit segment. Now, this has essentially turned into the Derek Henry and Friends portion of the show lately, and today is no different. It's getting hard to keep up with all of Derek's milestones at this point, and, and here are a couple from this weekend for you. Titans running back Derrick Henry rushed for 130 yards and three touchdowns against Jacksonville, which is his fifth career game with 100-plus rushing yards and three-plus rushing touchdowns. That brings him to tied for third with Adrian Peterson and Joe Morris for games by a player in his first six seasons of 100-plus rushing yards and three-plus rushing touchdowns. And my favorite stat, probably the entire season for Derrick Henry, is this one. And how dominant has he been, not just this season, but over the last 40 games? He is first in NFL history in a 40-game stretch for rushing yards with 4,792. So since 2018, in his last 40 games, Derrick Henry has almost 4,800 rushing yards. The top five in that 40-game stretch category is rounded out by Jim Brown, OJ Simpson, Terrell Davis, and Eric Dickerson. Folks, we're witnessing something we may never, I'd wager, we almost certainly will never see again, especially in a Titans uniform. So appreciate the greatness of Derrick Henry. And finally, I have to address one Mr. Rashawn Evans. Now, Evans, a linebacker for the Titans, here are his PFF grades by week so far this season. In week one, he had a 34.2, which was the worst for starters on the Titans team. Week two, he scored 59.6. Week three, 31.1, which was the worst on the defense that week. Week four, 57.1. And week five, a 25.5, which was the worst on the entire team. Folks, The Titans just need to play Monty Rice at this point. It, It can't get any worse than this. Rashawn has not played good football at all this season. And frankly, he didn't play much good football last season for the Titans. In the few spots where he historically has been suitable at the position for the team, such as in short yardage situations, in short down and distance situations, in goal line situations... Even those times this year, he's been really bad. So, and I know Monty Rice seems to have potentially not a lot going for him so far. He needs some more development. He looked really raw on Sunday, but I'm not sure it can get any worse than this. Evans has been so, 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 so bad for this Titans team this season. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Make sure to check out my NFL Tears article later this week on broadwaysportsmedia.com and make sure to come back on Friday afternoon for the next episode of the Titans 10. We're going to be discussing more Titans news from the week as well as looking ahead to the week six Monday night matchup against the Bills. Reminder again, go subscribe to the Titans 10 podcast feed if you are not already subscribed there, or if you're listening somewhere else, uh, such as the F Words feed to the Titans 10. Go to the Titans 10 feed, subscribe there, listen there. Thank you for that. All right, until then, have a great rest of your work week, and I'll talk to you on Friday. Thank you so much for listening in. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Listen, I know every show you've ever listened to has asked you to do that, and you don't. I get it. I'm guilty of it, too. But not every show you listen to is brand new and trying to get off the ground like we are. So please, it'll help so, so much if you go rate and review and subscribe to the show. Actually go do it. Thank you in advance. We love a good grassroots effort over here at the Titans 10. And I know you've got a bunch of friends and family who follow the Titans. I know you do. So please, send them this show. And don't just tell them about it. Share the show with them over text. Send it to them. Tell them how much they need it in their lives because of course they definitely do. All press conference audio in this episode is from TennesseeTitans.com, so thank you to them for providing that for us. Follow me at Easton Freeze and the show at The Titans 10BSM. That's at The Titans 10BSM on Twitter to keep up with all of my football coverage and get show updates. Make sure to check out me and my talented colleagues over at BroadwaySportsMedia.com for all things Tennessee sports. We've got a great team of writers as well as a great podcast network with new content five days a week for you to consume. All right, that's going to do it for today. I am your host, Easton Freeze, and this has been The Titans 10.